When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Derek here. Just checking in on you all. Yes, the podcast is still on hiatus for the summer. We hope you are enjoying the summertime. Catching up on back episodes, learning Irish, doing your thing, enjoying some of the good weather. Maybe if you are vaccinated, getting out and meeting people again. Hopefully it's all going well for you. While the show is on hiatus, we are still making some bonus episodes for Patreon supporters. If you aren't a Patreon supporter, it's not too late to change. Um, so what I've done for you this week is um, Brian has selected a portion of the most recent bonus episode, which is an interview with the Dominic Kramer and Katie Lee. They are the hosts of the Europeans podcast, a show we really enjoy. And we've selected a portion of this for your enjoyment. This is what, a bit of what you're missing if you aren't a Patreon supporter yet. And if you like it, there's more stuff like that and more to come. If you check out patreon.com forward slash Derek. And do also check out the Europeans podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great show. And every time I listen to it, I learn something new. And now, the show. I think the reason why we've found quite a dedicated audience is because we're not from the bubble. And because we've been trying mm. to work out what Europe is and what these institutions mean, along with our audience. And... Yeah, that seems to that seems to appeal to people. Also, the fact that we never mention Brexit—that was a key early policy decision for our podcast. I, I think that was a great idea because a story like Brexit just it just elbows all the other stories out, and it just—I don't know if you're a BBC or news producer, you'd say, "Okay, we've done Europe already. We did an hour of Brexit already." Then, well, there's there's other, there's other important stuff about debates about migrants crossing the Mediterranean and what what, what the involvement is that don't get heard because you've just had 10 minutes of Brexit in the news slot. And exactly. Which is also domestic, domestic politics anyway, to, to some extent. It's still very British-centric. And we were trying deliberately to not be British-centric, which we mm. still sometimes fail at. But I, think, I, think you, I think you've done very well in not being, in not being British-centric. And, I, I, and I, there's so much stuff that I just... I, I, I learn something new every single time I listen to your show, and there's not many podcasts I can say that about. Oh. Thanks, very Derek. nice to hear. About eels and other things. About eels, yes. <laughs> eels came up recently. I mentioned a factoid I heard about eels on my podcast, and people were like, what the fuck? Of course eight people know how eels reproduce. You're being ridiculous. And no, there's a story. Would you like to enlighten me about eels? Oh, God. Uh, Katie, I'm going to leave this one to you. <laughs> so. It, there was a there's a huge book was in Sweden there, there was a yeah. bestseller about eels yeah a kind of 
a strange combination of a biography of ha of the mystery around the reproduction of eels combined with this writer's own personal story about his relationship with his father. It's quite an amazing combination of uh, within one book. And yeah, eels basically metamorphose multiple times and have to travel hundreds and hundreds of kilometers across the world to then go and mystically reproduce somewhere uh, in the Sargasso in the ocean, Sea. In the Sargasso Sea. And no one's ever witnessed it. <laughs> Which is insane. Oh. When you think about how many like cameras there are doing like amazing nature documentaries in 2021. Like, I mean, it's crazy that no one's seen it. Like there's a crisis about panda reproduction and we've still seen pandas doing it. But we still <laughs> haven't seen eels doing it. No. It's mad. But I just want to say, Derek, I was really upset by how much flack you got for talking about this on the podcast. You were just like hit with this instant wall of disbelief. It was well, hilarious. It was. I mean, it's, it's, this is the thing. It just happens. But being, um, I suppose, uh, in my status as the pod podcast dad, I get a lot of back talk from the younger kind of uh, my pod children who just give me constant disrespect. <laughs> It seems, <laughs> but and yes, these days. I was, yeah, I, I probably should have had my my research done fully before I brought it up at all. But that's the thing. We um, it's we digress a lot on mother folklore. It's a huge part of the Irish literary tradition. Whether you look <laughs> at Flann O'Brien or James Joyce, going right back to Dinhamicus in Old Irish, it's it's staying on one topic is not how you do things. That's colonial. Uh, all topics touch other topics. Uh, this is how things go. So yes, we were, on, one, on one level we're talking about place things, but it will, yes, turn to eels because that's how information works. It Topics are imposed. Information is free. So that's why we talk about eels. <laughs> anyway. So how did we get here? We got here from this. But this is, um, so you, you mentioned that you didn't, you don't talk about Brexit on the podcast. And, and you both mentioned, yes, that you did, don't know any people who well, voted for leave. But uh, you both have since, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, have had undergone journeys to get passports passports Dominic, i believe you already got a passport from an, a an eu passport yeah uh i got my german passport about a year ago even though i live in the netherlands um and yeah i it turns out i could have applied for this german passport all of my life but i didn't realize until brexit <laughs> happened um and i got one of these yeah slightly awkward passports which is uh, under the basic law of uh germany whereby people who are descendants of victims of Hitler or people whose whose ancestors have had their passport taken off them or their citizenship re revoked, they mm -hmm. can say, give me a passport back, please. Um, I deserve it. So, yeah, I took up that right. And I did feel a bit uncomfortable about doing that just as Brexit happened. It felt a little bit opportunistic. Mm -hmm. But um, on but the other did, hand... Yeah. yeah, You were entitled of, to it before Brexit. Exactly, you, yeah. I was. It just taught me that it was my right so and yeah and i didn't have to do any tests but it's really weird i don't speak any Germ german i don't live there um i do have a german surname but it that's mm. the thing that's making it really easy for me to now stay living in europe without having to do any of these citizenship tests whereas katie had a much more complicated route <laughs> didn't you this is oh, right yeah mine was like a school exam so yeah i've recently applied uh, to become french and um, I, I cannot lie and say that I did this before Brexit. It's something that it was kind of in the back of my mind. It's like, mm. oh, maybe I'll get around to doing that one day. But there was no like practical reason to embark on this massively complicated administrative 
procedure in France before Brexit. So yeah, I started uh, gathering my paperwork last year. And because France is France, you need like every piece of paper that every member of your family has ever been given for whatever reason. So I spent like a year collecting documents um, and then finally had my nationality test slash interview about two months ago now. Excellent. And how this is something this was a fascinating to me because I know it's it, it comes up in conversations recently in 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 the UK press the idea of like should a person know the words to God save the Queen to become uh, a British citizen and it's it hasn't really come I've, there's probably a, the conversation hasn't hit that level of our of visibility in Ireland yet even though I expect there might be aspects to it but what kind of things do they expect you to know to be a French person? Um, I'm thinking of de, de Gaulle's famous quote about you, you can't govern a country that has 264 types of cheese. Are you expected to know all these cheeses? I actually did like just do a bit of brushing up on cheeses, which is insane. Um, no, there's a little handbook uh, that, of like stuff, topics that you should know. But mm. there's also a lot of Facebook groups where people um, post like what questions they were asked. Okay. And some of them are like really, you know, random things. I got some quite tough ones like what did Marie Curie win her two Nobel Prizes for? Like stuff that was definitely not in the handbook. But I, I got the impression that they were just, I don't know It's it, the French exam is a weird one because there is an element of discretion in that you are interviewed by a human. It's not like the British test where there's like a multiple choice thing and it's all on paper and anonymized. Um, it's all like, yeah, super personal and you get the impression that the person interviewing you really just wants to get a sense of like how much effort you've put in Mm. So if you mention Marie Curie, which I did for reasons I can't even remember, um, they will then push on that and be like, OK, how much do you know about Marie Curie, <laughs> this famous mm. naturalised French person, um, and push and push until they get a, a response on that. But yeah, I ended up doing loads and loads of historical research. It, it felt like I was cramming for an exam. Um, it was quite an intense process. It's kind of but, nice that they have a real person. But on another hand, I kind of feel like this, that means that they could decide to dis- discriminate. Mm, that's my that's very my worry now that if they don't if they don't like the look of someone for whatever reason and but and then or if they do like the look of someone they're going to go easier on you but then i'd like to think people have a fair shot but you you felt it was uh i suppose that they that what they really wanted was effort that you were serious to show that you were serious about becoming french coming in with a with a baguette sticking out of your bag (laughs) and um did you wear your breton yeah (laughs) i didn't but i have previously worn a stripy t-shirt to immigration appointments yes (laughs) i don't know if that helps (laughs) (laughs) it's it's funny because i remember like you hear about these french stereotypes that don't exist in france the same way i imagine a lot of countries have the this idea that like um I know the Germans are always surprised by the Ich bin ein Berliner story, which is, doesn't have any um, doesn't have any cachet there, and that the onions around the neck thing. Yeah, that where did that come from? I don't know. I recently heard, and I'm not even sure how true this is because I've, I've heard it from like two people. I heard one from French people about British people, which is this idea that we always eat green jelly as a dessert, <laughs> like jelly is in you know like jelly and ice cream. Yeah. Of course. The Americans were called Jello. Um, they thought that we eat that all the time. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I think it might have something to do with mint sauce on lamb or something. Mm. But again, I don't know how widespread it is. I've just heard this from two people. <laughs> it's. I mean, that's extraordinary. I. I. I, I you think about it, the, the stereotypes a person might have about England, and then the idea that eating green jelly just because uh, they do call it the roast beef, don't they? They do the roast beef. Mm-hmm. 
because of our lovely complexions. <laughs> I find compa- it funny that... I find is it complexion-based? Oh, I assumed it was. Oh, is it not? Is it because we eat roast beef? I thought it was because we were pink, because we burn and stuff. So it's, like, it's, so it's like gammon. Yeah, it's like an the original it, gammon. That's Maybe. amazing. Well, this could just be complete rubbish coming from me. Shall I no, 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 no. we're going to run with this. I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm declaring it. I'm whacking my gavel. I'm declaring it a fact. <laughs> and like this is why you get hate from your pod children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fact checking. Who needs it? <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Derek. Patreon.com forward slash Derek. Patreon.com forward slash Derek. 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 Derek.